Yo, what's up, guys? It's Chris. Welcome back to the second episode of the Conscious Capitalist Journey podcast. There, I said it. Amazing. Good job, Chris. Anyways, today it is Saturday. I just woke up. I have fell, fallen out of my regular schedule, but this is where I have to show up daily. I am going to put it out there that I will do an episode no matter what condition I am in. And this is because it's important for me to just get everything out there. I'm unpacking about 10 years of information through my entrepreneur journey and all the crazy things that happened along the way from my first business starting in Japan to now. I've created about 10 companies and also I'll share with you a little bit about my entrepreneur journey with my very first job or I can't say it was a job, but um, it was definitely a way to make money when I was in high school. Long story short, basically, I needed money. My parents would not let me work a normal job. I always wanted to be uh, someone that worked at Genki Sushi. It's uh, pretty much the boat, train, whatever sushi that, that goes around. Conveyor belt sushi, that's, that's what it's called. It's one of those restaurants called Genki Sushi. And basically, I wanted to work here and get free sushi because I freaking love sushi. I can, it's probably the thing that I will eat all day, any day, but it's just freaking expensive. <laughs> of course, I'm trying to change my language. I'm trying to say, I can't afford it to how can I afford it? Anyways, me on this journey will be able to afford sushi every day. F yeah, let's do this. Anyways, back to high school. Yes, I learned how to design logos on a platform called 99designs. So basically, this was a platform where you can actually participate in logo making contests and get paid for it. So I believe this has taught me a lot of patience uh, to be resourceful, to learn whatever you need and make money from it. So entering a contest, it is not a guaranteed payment. So basically you create a logo, you submit it. There's, there can be anywhere from 10 to hundreds of participants and you can upload all these logos and basically the person who conducts the contest they pick a logo that they like and they award the winner a cash prize um this is not exactly a job but i got good at it i took about i believe i took about a year to actually start getting traction but i remember my first contest um i submitted it I was probably a sophomore in high school. I submitted it, went on a trip with my high school, um, and I won. It was crazy. Uh, this was actually the most money I've seen in my life. Uh, it was actually the, f the first time I got paid for not doing, other than not doing 
um, like my chores or something. Yes, I got paid for doing my chores. Not often. Um, it would be once in a blue moon, but my parents would sometimes give me money for food, um, whatever I wanted, because I worked hard. <laughs> that, that's how I got paid. Um, anyways, uh, I won that contest. I was like, F yeah, I got $500. I bragged to my friends about it. It took a long way to get there. So I learned from YouTube and online. So this, yeah, you can probably measure my age because that was probably the first experience or first exposure to YouTube in my life. And I was able to learn skills that gave me money. So logo design, I learned uh, Photoshop. I learned how to use Adobe Illustrator. So I, I, I can do it today. It just takes a long time. I'd rather not do logo design or graphic design. Um, actually, I thought this was going to be my long-term career in high school. But um, because I did get good at it, Probably not so much anymore because it's a skill that you build over time and you can lose it and forget how to, I don't know, edit, draw lines, um, do layers. There's so many things. It's like another language. Well, this was my first job. Super proud about it because I found a loophole around my parents not wanting me to work at a job, um, the reason why they didn't want me to work was because they didn't want me to get distracted from school. Well, anyways, I did get distracted and I didn't do my homework. I sucked as a student. Um, I was a C, D, sometimes D, B. It, it varied. It really depended on how motivated I was for this class. Um, I usually didn't do well in English. I hated math. I did okay in math because I had a great teacher, Miss Yamaguchi. Shout out to you. I hope you're doing well. Anyways, uh, I didn't like a lot of the subjects being taught in school. So I was a bad student. I didn't do homework and basically um, I just hated school. However, I liked the fact that I could learn outside of school and apply it to my, my life and I could make money. So that was my first job being a logo designer. Um, as a high school student making this kind of money and I, I'd say I'd win. I probably entered hundreds of contests, spent hundreds of hours, um, but I probably won only 10 times. So this taught me a lot about patience and just shooting your shot, trying it out because there's a chance that you may win. Um, I remember spending hours on the computer, just clicking, making minor adjustments and just Making a logo it takes a lot of time, um, especially from drawing it out to tracing the lines, making the vectors and so forth. 
this was uh, this was fun for me because it was kind of like a game. Um, I I like the fact that I could make money from a game, but it was inconsistent. So yeah, it, it just didn't give me the money that I need. So next, uh, basically that was my first introduction to entrepreneurship. It's uh, learning something outside of the system, not from a W-2 or part-time job. It was through pure effort, resourcefulness, learning, and just wanting to make money. Because to be honest, I had a girlfriend during that time. Uh, <laughs> and this is why I was distracted. Actually, I like to blame my ex-girlfriend that I was distracted but it was seriously me not wanting to do homework, not wanting school. I hated school sometimes. The only things that I excelled at were um, music, band. I loved band because I um, just loved music. I was a band geek. So, yep, now you know I did marching band, concert band, and even con I continued this through high school. And yeah, basically, band was most of my memories with my ex-girlfriend and just playing and being uh, a musician. I was a French horn. I was never good, but I loved how it made me feel. So this just explains my personality or actually anyone. When people are motivated, they usually do well. And I personally did not the, like the idea of school. I was a silent rebel. I didn't like my teachers. I have only a handful of teachers that I knew because I felt like what they gave up on me or I just like blended in the classroom and became like a silent like distraction or not silent distraction. I just like became an object that they didn't really focus on because of the low effort and low motivation. This was me. I can definitely say that I was an introvert, but I can say that I had some kind of genius brewing in me at the time. So I just want to mention that all my life, I have felt stupid up until college. In high school, didn't get good grades, really didn't like to do homework, um, hated writing, absolutely hated English, the class. And basically, all of that changed in college. That changed in college because um, now I was in a space where I was like, Okay, I'm out of high school. I can create a new identity for myself. I can start doing well for my future. I didn't start doing well in school until senior year when I felt rushed and I was like, damn, I got to get my grades up so that I can graduate. Not graduate well, but like actually graduate. And um, I remember in high school, I I probably got the, the highest GPA of that year of my entire four years of high school. And 
yeah, th- this is it explains my personality where I'm like, I do a shit ton of work when I'm pressured. I actually really excel when I'm pressured and I have a mission and that I have a, when I have a goal, then for example, when I was in freshman year, when I, I didn't care about anything, I was like, Oh God, we have uh, four more years of this. <laughs> Kill me now. Anyways. Um, yes, I only did well after my senior year or during my senior year where I could see the finish line. I was slacking off, but then I came through and my GPA was amazing. I think um, it was actually when people hear this, it won't even be that impressive, but it was a 3.6 around there um, for the whole year. And that was the best, that was the best overall year that I've had. My lowest GPA was around a 2.0 in freshman year. So there you can compare. That's, that's an amazing increase of whatever, um, however you measure GPAs and performance. Yes. Uh, that's my education, my high school education in a nutshell. And then when I went to college, I started realizing Holy shit, I didn't learn anything in high school. Maybe I didn't pay attention. Maybe it could have been the uh, the system, the educational system in Hawaii. I'm from a place called Kapolei. And I went to a place called Kapolei Middle School, High School, and all, all from elementary to, to uh, college. I went to the Kapolei public system. And then I started meeting all these cool people that really cared about my education. And I think they cared more because they were paid well. But anyways, (laughs) I started meeting amazing teachers who really saw the potential in me. So college was a a place to reset, to recreate my identity. And I did. Um, I'd say my cumulative GPA was, it was not too amazing, but I could say that it was about a 3.4 to 3.5. Um, and I, I graduated well. I remember I was in the psychology national honor society and I just, was extremely motivated to learn what I didn't learn in high school. So right two years of your college experience, you're just catching up. You're not catching up. You're learning the prerequisites. You're learning general knowledge, general education. Basically you need this in order to step into your major topics Mine was psychology. I graduated with a BA in psychology because I wanted to become a counselor. But anyways, yes, I um, I was relearning everything, met amazing people. And my most significant years were, again, uh, f- freshman year and senior year where, one, I met teachers who actually believed in me. 
they were like, Chris, your writing is amazing. This was my biology teacher, by the way, Dr. Cox. She said, why don't you become a writing tutor for the writing center? It was called the No Al Center. It's a Hawaiian word. And basically, I was like, what the F? Like, my writing sucks. I hate writing. Then she was just telling me how I demonstrated a really like skills of a good writer. And I was looking at her and I was like, what? You're crazy because I always got C's and D's in English and I felt like shit about it. So <laughs> yeah, this, this was um, a trip for me because I became a writing tutor from sucking at it so bad to being decently okay. And a teacher recognized my skill and I was, I was so grateful because this led me into um, new jobs, new careers. This was actually my first part-time job as a teacher of writing. So I tutored, I was a writing tutor. Um, I did this from sophomore year all the way to my senior year. And I was good at it. I was good at it because I know how people, um, they, I know how people write, especially people who have, who are struggling. I know how to make it easier for someone who is not extremely gifted in that skill. And I could break it down for them to, to make simple, easy, and followable steps. Followable, is that a word? <laughs> I could make it, I could just break it down so that they could write whatever their ideas are at. Like writing is not a natural skill for humans. You really have to, you really have to work at it. And basically I taught a system called the meal plan. I'll just briefly go over it because I'm going to bore the F out of you. And basically it is a structure of how to write a coherent and well thought out essay that gives concrete examples and analyzes them so that you have a great package of a freaking essay. Like everything was manual. There's no AI to write uh, essays at that time. So I taught people how to draw their ideas out of them and speak in a fluid way. And I was extremely proud of this because I'd be like, I'd look at an essay and I'd be like, okay, you needed to fix this, 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 this. What is this? Like, what are you trying to say? And I became a consultant and it was a pretty okay job. I think I got paid about 10 to $12 an hour. Um, I was happy about this because I knew that was more than um, fast food places or restaurants. But still, that, that was a really important experience for me to do. So I'm just unpacking my whole life from high school to now. So <clears throat> please bear with me. 
So after being a tutor, um, while I was studying, I studied psychology. I wanted to become a counselor because I have this somewhere in me just wants to help people. Um, somewhere in me, I want to just learn something and make the world a better place with my skills, whatever I learn. And um, that's why I studied psychology. Um, I, I just remember a moment in my life where my mom got actually mentally sick. Um, she couldn't talk. Um, she was extremely depressed. And um, I don't want to go into depth about it, but basically she experienced something really traumatizing that um, made her silent. Like she, she was, one day she was like a happy person and another day she completely changed. It was like a complete 180. Um, she didn't talk. She didn't eat much. Um, even when I hugged her, it was like nothing was there, which is, it's crazy. Like to, to see how much a person can change in a short amount of time due to a traumatic experience. Well, basically long story short, she had gone through counseling and slowly she started getting better she started smiling again. And when I saw that, I was like, whoa, if you do counseling and if you talk about your problems and if you talk to a professional who can help you, it is possible to change your life. You can become a better person, a happier person, by just talking about your problems. Um, I didn't see her taking any medication. So I, I truly believe that this was fully just counseling. And I was inspired by this. I think this happened when I was in high school. So I saw that and I was like, wow, my mom changed. I hope to do this for other people. I want to make people happy. And um, through psychology, learning about the mind, learning about humans, that really inspired me because I was like, okay, as the more I learn about humans, human behavior, and myself, I can help other people at the same time. Well, <laughs> life happened. Um, change of plans. I entered my fourth year of high school, not high school, my fourth year of college. And I started learning about how psychology um, and big pharma really didn't, it didn't match my goals, um, especially since um, I would read about how being a psychiatrist or psychologist, you are given medicine to distribute to your clients or patients and there was a pressure to distribute and i personally didn't believe that all solutions can come from medicine 
especially if you're um, building a dependence on these medicine. Um, once you build a dependence on these medicines and uh, antipsychotics, anti, you, you know, like all of the that stuff, like it just totally changes you chemically on a chemical level. It changes you. It changes how you think. And basically you become a different person. A combination of this is great. Um, I would say, uh, I would say that taking medicine at first to kind of jumpstart change is great. But over a long period of time, there's so many studies that I read that um, just told me, like, whoa, this is uh, not the the way that I could go. Um, I did want to do clinical psychology, eventually becoming a psychiatrist, um, whether it be um, getting my PsyD, um, going into psychiatry school. This was a long journey for me, so I was like, Nope, I don't want to do this. Maybe I'll go toward education. And I just shifted from there. Um, maybe it was an uninformed decision that I changed my whole path. But I learned in my last year that it was not a path for me. I didn't want to pursue a path where um, I solely relied on um, administering medicine because of the crazy things that I learned. <laughs> Anyways, um, I shifted and I went into a path working with students with intellectual disabilities. Um, I was a educational coach. So um, I would help people with ID, it's an intellectual disability, and I would help guide them through their first steps into college. It was a um, grant-sponsored program um, of the Center of Disability Studies in University of Hawaii. And I enjoyed this so much. So I would help people who would not have any chance of going into college. Um, this program was amazing. They would take um, people in special education, um, specifically suffering with intellectual disability. And what this is, um, is basically it's slow for, they're slow to learn and pick up things, but they can learn through repetition and good habits, good uh, keeping healthy, and also just it reinforcing um education and good behavior. Basically, I would come in and help these students succeed in their first year of college. So I've only done this for a year. Basically, I would sit down with them and I would do um, planning. I know there would be note takers for them in normal class. This was completely incognito. They would want to cover the fact that they are different students, but that we would help them, like for example, planning their day, um, helping them get on track on their homework, 
Um, even sometimes stepping in as a tutor role where uh, I would teach them about how to write essays. So all of this really came together with my writing teacher, my tutoring, writing tutor experience in college and my psychology background. I put them together and really helped these kids learn and grow. I, I'm still connected with them on social media. Um, sometimes I say hi to them. But yeah, it was it was a really rewarding experience because um, although I didn't have intellectual disabilities, I could truly understand how they felt about being lost, how they felt not being able to perform as well as the their peers around them, and how they find it so hard to learn something that yeah once once you're diagnosed with something and you put a label on it it can get to you mentally so basically i help them get over the obstacles that they're facing i like i'd like to say that i'd set a strong impact but um, growth is, you have to play the long game with growth and any results. So I didn't see immediate results. Um, I didn't follow up with them. But I felt that I was a important part of their first years of college. So jumping from that, um, I was like one day... Um, I want to go to Japan. Actually, rewind. <laughs> so basically, a year after working, I was like, okay, where do I want to go? This is not a job that I want to do forever. And I took that first year to work to get some experience so that I could jump into a program where it allowed me to learn about being a psychologist or a counselor. Um, I was leaning toward the PsyD, the Doctorates of Psychology path, where I would have to go to um, normally the mainland because they have better programs. They, um, yeah, they had, they had amazing programs. Hawaii's not known for their psychology program. So I was like looking outward. And one day I came into my professor's office. Um, one of the most influential people of my life, Dr. J, um, Jason Chun, shout out to Jason Chun. You changed my life, man. Um, basically I went into his, his office and I was like, Dr. J, I need a letter of recommendation because I want to become a psychologist and I want to pursue my master's program. So I, I hope you can sign this. You've been an amazing, amazing person and very influential person in my life. And we've built this great relationship so much that I have confidence to approach you 
And I put full confidence that you will write me a recommendation. Well, I didn't say it like that, of course, <laughs> but I brought him the letter of recommendation form so that he can make me a recommendation and send it off. But I got the complete opposite answer that I was hoping for. But this is the advice that completely changed my life forever. He sat me down and he was like, Chris, is this really what you want to do? Like he had a look on his face. It was completely concerned. It was like, yeah, just like, is this what you really want to do in life? And I think this was a test and I failed it miserably. I told him, yeah, this is what I want to do. This is what I was planning for a long time. And he was like, I want you to think about everything that you want to do, um, whether it be educational and non-educational. And I was like, okay, uh, this is definitely not the conversation that I wanted. I was hoping to have with you, but um, I told him that I wanted to go to Japan. I wanted to be a musician. I wanted to um, do my doctorates of psychology. And um, basically, he was hearing me not extremely passionate about being a psychologist or a clinical psychologist, a psychiatrist. Basically, he saw through my BS that I've learned that becoming a psychologist was only was heavily influenced by my parents. It was the want of my parents to become a doctor. And as I mentioned in my first episode, my mom is a nurse. Um, my whole family or most of my family, especially on my dad's side, they became nurses. And nurses are paid very well, highly respected, they're, they're badass, man. Nurses are so strong and so knowledgeable and caring. But anyways, this is an extremely Filipino want or Asian. It's an extremely Filipino want for their children to become nurses, doctors, dentists, everything in the medical field. Um, I could say anything in the law field, any high income earning job. That's what they want for their children, especially the medical field, because there's so many benefits, right? Anyways, my parents, I took a long time to think about this, about what he said, and he was absolutely right. My parents wanted me to become a doctor. So I believe that it was my own want to be a doctor or be a psychologist. Um, I'm a little rebellious. So I was like, I don't want to be a doctor. I want to be a psychologist, a doctorate of psychology, not in the medical field, but somewhat like a doctor. They get paid 
six figures. That's what I wanted. So um, he stopped me. He was the the person who actually influenced me making a decision based on what I wanted, which was to go to Japan. Or I was also thinking about the Air Force because I was just thinking about all these crazy things because of stability. I saw the Air Force as a place that I could learn, get free education, and just help people, right? So here were my options. Become a musician, go into the Air Force, um, get a nice uh, officer ranking position, getting free education, um, getting a really nice paycheck, and Japan. Being an English teacher in Japan was the fastest way. So I was like, yeah, I want to go to Japan, become an English teacher. So basically he was like, there, that's it. That's what you want to do. Just take a year, do whatever the F you want, come back and talk to me later. Well, I did. I freaking, from that day, I hopped on a plane and went to Japan. And became an English teacher. This was the most important and life-changing thing that I've done for myself. And I encourage people to do this as well. To sit down and really think about what you want. That doesn't include other people. So that was a long story short. But um, it took me a while to apply and get an English position. But I knew from that day, I sat down, I sat down with myself and started to kind of separate what people wanted of me and what I wanted for myself. And you can do this on a piece of paper. You can write out all your dreams and desires, whatever the F you want. And you can kind of connect it. Okay, who wants this for me? Of course, going to Japan was totally detached from my parents. This was purely my own want. Because it's not like they they went to Japanese class like me. I was a nerd. I loved anime. I loved studying the culture. Um, It was an amazing experience. Um, anyways, they didn't want that for me. So I decided to take the leap of faith, pursue my own passions, and then revisit my discussions. And one year became to five years, guys. So I've lived in Japan for five years. I started off as an uh, a teacher, English teacher in junior high school. I worked my way to teaching business English to Japanese professionals, businessmen, housewives, students, all of that. I specialized in teaching um, business, travel, and conversational English, everyday conversation. And then I worked my way up to becoming uh, one of the head recruiters and marketers for my uh, my company, which 
hired these teachers. And it was an amazing journey, extremely transformative. I have learned so much in a little amount of time. And I'm so happy that I've took that leap of faith because that was the fastest way to grow the F up and learn how to provide for myself, be by myself in a different country with no connections and pretty much learn everything from zero. I had no friends. I had no family. I didn't have a strong grasp of the language, but I figured shit out. So that was a huge, huge, huge confidence boost. And I now understand wherever I go, I can figure shit out and be successful at it. As long as if I have the drive and if I don't give up and if I just keep doing it every day. And through this whole process of not knowing anything, knowing zero, um, and learning Japanese, being able to use it every day, um, make meaningful relationships and navigating through the culture, um, just being a complete stranger to, and I felt like a baby, right? I felt like a baby in a new world, just looking all around you, knowing what no, no one was saying. I figured that shit out and this gave me a lot of confidence to move forward. And the best part of it is that at the time it was extremely painful to work in such a crazy environment. Um, you know, being an English teacher, that was, that was easy. I thought that was like, um, that was a fun job. Uh, working with kids. But when I actually went into the workforce in Japanese society, um, I worked a slave job. I had crazy hours. I felt so miserable. Um, I felt depressed because there's so much pressure, so much, uh, so much expectation for me to perform. And it was, it was crazy. I'll, I'll give you an example of how crazy it was. I would on average work 80 hour weeks and even more because I had crazy freaking deadlines. We were understaffed. Um, it was, it came to a point where it like, there's so much like politics and internal drama that one of my managers left. Um, a lot of people left and I had to shoulder the burden of carrying this company because I felt if I didn't perform, this company would literally go bankrupt. And if you're not familiar with the recruiting game, uh, basically as the, the recruiting is the lifeblood of the company. That's basically how they make money is to recruit, send people off and get paid by the, Department of Education in Japan, Board of Education. And basically, I became in a position where I had to hire teachers 
into um, schools. Uh, I would send them off to places uh, like, for example, elementary schools, junior high schools, high schools, and uh, just everywhere, right? We were a recruiting company for English teachers. I learned marketing. But the the day-to-day functions of that job, it was the most stressful experience I've had in my life. My darkest days were in that job. And um, I understand what it feels like to work at a slave job. I understand how like dark and it can be, how depressing being in corporate, whether it be corporate Japan or corporate America, I understand like it is not made for people to thrive. You are a slave to other people. And basically I'd work so hard that I would hate life. I would hate waking up. Um, you know, I would, uh, in my first years of Japan, I would, I would see people walking like zombies. And, um, unfortunately I kind of laughed at it. I was like, Oh shit. Like they're having a shitty day. Like what happened to them? They'd actually be like dragging their feet it would be um, women in office uh, attire, um, business suits, and they just like, they wouldn't even look at what's in front of them. They'd just look at the ground, walking through life, having this extremely painful existence. And I would call them zombies because they would just be walking with no expression and with their faces completely like destroyed. Like you, you won't understand until you experience this, but pretty much they look like they wanted to kill themselves and people do. Uh, We call it Monday morning blues when people jump in front of a train because they don't want to continue on their shit job. And basically, they they want to end it all. And uh, unfortunately, I'll get deeper into this later, but I've experienced this pain and I've endured it for two long years. So experiencing that, experiencing working at a slave job where you feel like nothing, you feel so insignificant, just want the pain to stop. It really changes your mindset about things. It might be me pursuing entrepreneurship because I felt this pain. I understood that I never want to work in a situation like that again. I never want to work for someone other than myself and other than the people who I care about. I experience that. I know how you're feeling. I know how it's 
it's hard to let go of that stability, even if it's a good paying job and that it provides you stability. I know that feeling. However, you really need to think more about what you are trading your time for. So every hour that you spend in that job, that soul draining, you are trading an hour of your life for someone else. And this, this whole experience haunted me. I'd love to share you more, but this, this, this podcast became really dark. However, it is important for me to communicate that it is a worthy journey to leave your well-paying job for a journey where you are more happier, you're working for yourself, you're finding ways to fill your cup and work for other people. And basically, you needed to be in that job where you suffered. Because from now, you can change your story. The hardest part is starting. So for me, um, I was always afraid of letting people down. I was always afraid of losing stability. Um, I, even if I completely hated my job, I wanted to stay in it because I was afraid. I know what you're going through. If you're at a job right now, you hate it. You complain about it every day. When you stop working, the next thing you want to talk about how shitty your job was or how shitty the people around you are or how shitty people are in general, that's when you need to take a look at yourself and take a step back and be like, something needs to change. And I'm here to tell you that you need to fucking change your job if it causes you so much misery. Because I believe that, um, I remember Inky, um, he's a motivational speaker, Inky Johnson. Um, he was talking about uh, how hurt people hurt people. And basically, it's the same way. If you suffer a lot of pain, you'll project that into other people because feeling pain is your reality. The world's a much better place if you're out of that freaking job, my friend. I'm going to say it straight up. And the world will be a much better place as soon as more people start making decisions for themselves. Circling back to me choosing the path that aligned with me, you have to make decisions for yourself. Don't let other people, or you have to be conscious of your decisions and the people, the decisions that people force onto you. The world will be a much better place if more people started to be more aware and conscious and followed their heart so that they could be more healthier, 
happier, more, just more of themselves. And I want to create this culture where people are going to chase what they love, to do what they want to do, chase their dreams, and basically just start becoming aware of the power that they hold inside of them. I believe everyone has a superpower. You have a God-given skill that no one else has and that it is your responsibility to be aware of this and act on it. Because if you offer your God-given skill to people around you, the world will be a much better place. I can't stress that enough. The world becomes a better place once you become the most genuine and most authentic self with no pain and all, all heart, all love. But other than that, I'm going to step off my soapbox. This has been an amazing opportunity for me to just unpack 10 years of entrepreneurship, pain, struggle, and also happiness. I, I was very happy in those, uh, in those times as well. I found ways. I learned a lot of uh, lessons in life. And I hope to continue on sharing my experience, sharing the things that make me happy, that makes me smile. And thank you so much for listening. This has been an amazing venting session for me. So thank you. <laughs> I'm going to step off my soapbox. And now on a positive note, in the next few podcasts, I want to share with you what's happening in my life right now. What are the lessons that I learned from my other businesses that I continue today and the amazing people that I meet, that I have met, I want to bring them onto the show and share with you how they succeeded, they failed, just the journey, right? I love to imagine that the business people around me are also conscious capitalists. And this is well, because I want to work with people who align with my goals as well. Anyway, so much ahead of you. Join me on this journey. It's going to blow your freaking mind. That was just a very tiny piece of it. So stay in tune. We'll be in touch. Thank you so much. Peace.